God, receive our praise as incense before your throne. As the gifts of your people, the gifts offered in sacrifice. And we thank you for your gifts in return to us, for the gift of your word, for the gift of community, for the gift of your Holy Spirit, who will lead us as we open your word. Bless us as we seek your face together. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Our parable this morning is from Matthew 20, and we're actually going to begin with the verse just before it from Matthew 19. Jesus tells parables in response to something that's happening. And Matthew 19 gives us the story that we know of as the rich young ruler who asks what he has to do to be saved and goes away sad. And and Jesus talks about how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom. And so that ends with these words, which will be repeated at the end of this parable as well. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, so an hour before the workday is over, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long, doing nothing? Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages. Begin with the last ones hired and go on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give you the one who was hired last, the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Tyndale community, some things in life just aren't fair, are they? I give you, for example, 
lineups, maybe grocery lineups, maybe ticket lineups, or my big pet peeve is border crossings. I have uh, crossed the border a lot of times to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and you come to Sarnia and you start going up over the bridge, and as you're coming to the top of the bridge, the crest, you start looking. You start looking like how many lanes are open? Where is a long line? Where are there lots of brake lights? Where's there a spot? Which one should I go? And you start kind of slowing down as you're coming closer because you know, you've got them all backed up behind you and you could still make a choice which one to go to, this one, that one. Finally, you decide to go a little more to the right and there's still three possibilities there and you slow down a bit more and finally you, you have to choose because they're starting to honk so you, you go into one line and you think you, you've got it right, you've picked the winner. And then you scope it out. You look at the, the white Impala over here, the blue Pacifica over here, and you think, okay, I'm gonna wait this out and see. I'm sure I've picked a winner line. Except pretty soon, you start to think maybe you've picked the one with the trainee in the cubicle, be, with the supervisor standing over their shoulder, double, triple checking everything they do, because the, 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 the blue car is three cars ahead now, and oh, the Pacifica just went ahead four. And, and you're stuck, and there's nothing you can do. You have picked a loser line. Not only that, to add insult to injury, they suddenly open up two more lines over on the left side, hello? And people who were stuck way behind you on the bridge are coming down and driving right up to a cubicle going, heh, heh, heh. Some things in life just are not fair. Doesn't this parable of Jesus give you that same kind of feeling? Like, this is not fair. We can all relate to the, the feelings of the, the people who were hired first. It's just unfair. What is Jesus trying to teach here? I mean, imagine if, if we parented this way or if people ran their companies according to these principles, everything would fall apart. So there's an introduction. For the kingdom of heaven is like this is the kind of story called a parable. And the word parable is from two different words or word fragments. Para means alongside, and bola is a verb which means to throw. So when you encounter a parable, think of Jesus as throwing alongside a story, an illustration, alongside of something that has happened. Sometimes, uh, there's a situation he sees. Sometimes someone asks him a question and he answers with a parable. And sometimes he simply reads someone's mind and he answers them with a parable. In this case, it's been the story of the rich young ruler and the disciples not understanding it would be so hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom. And alongside of that, Jesus throws this story where we are supposed to learn something about how the kingdom of God operates, how things work out in God's economy of life. So act one, scene one, the landowner going out. Now you have to think of an agrarian society. So there are crops in the fields. Um, 
I used to live in, in Hamilton as a teenager, and I would go out and pick like strawberries when they were ripe. And so I can understand this. I've also ministered in St. Catharines, Ontario, where you do, you see the, the, the grapes hanging heavy on the vine or the pears or peaches on the tree. And there's an urgency about needing to get this done, needing to get it picked. So there'd be a marketplace and everyone who wanted to be hired for the day would come and hang out in the marketplace and landowners would come and pick people, you, 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 whatever, I need five, and you look strong, you look good, oh, I've had you before, and pick them to come and work in their vineyard. So who is standing there before 6 a.m. in the morning? What kind of people are there to be hired first? Well, they're the hardworking ones, the determined ones, the ones who know what it takes to, to supply for their family, who will give it their all, who've probably been hired over and over again. And there's a sense that they bargain with the landowner because it says he agreed to pay them a denarius. So maybe almost like they form a little team and they have a spokesperson and uh, they say, well, you know, we're good, we're strong, you've had us before, everybody wants us, we're the ones here right now, we can start right away. What we want is such, and maybe there's a bit of haggling and finally they end, they shake hands on a denarius for the day. So when this group goes out into the field in the morning, they are the happiest people in that village. They have gotten what they wanted. They know what the day is going to hold. They know what their hard work is going to earn for them. And they are very content. They'll get what they deserve. Fair is fair. So a couple hours later, he goes out. He finds another group. He sends them. Three hours later, another group. Three hours later, another group, this repeats during the day where he continually hires people to come and work. And notice that this time, there's no haggling over a price. Instead, he says, well, you go work too, and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they know they weren't the early people there. They're later in the day, and so they're happy to trust the landowner's judgment. Whatever he says will be fair will be fair. We're just happy to be making something for the day. And so the scene repeats itself because there are still people hanging around in the town square. Well then, around five in the afternoon, so an hour before closing. You would have worked from 6 a.m. till 6 p.m. So about five in the afternoon, he goes to the town square and there are still people standing around in the town square. So what kind of people are hanging around in the town square at five in the afternoon when all the way along, People have been hired, have been hired, have been hired, have been hired. What kind of people are still left in the town square? Well, I don't know exactly what their issue is, but I'm sure that they've got a big L in the middle of their forehead, right? They're losers. They're just losers. I mean, everybody else who was able-bodied, who could provide any help to anyone who looked like they were willing to do anything, had been picked off during the day, one after another. 
And here are the leftovers of society stuck in the town square. Maybe they've spent their day sleeping off a drunk from the money they earned yesterday they spent on drink. Or maybe they've spent it under a tree uh, gambling away their profit from the day before. And now they're slinking back to the town square so they can at least say to their spouse, well, I stood in the square, but nobody hired me. Sure thing. So the landowner goes up to them too, why are you here when nobody's hired us? And he says to them too, you go and work in my vineyard. I mean, they probably barely get there before the whistle blows that the whole day is over. They slink off there, they go and work too and do something. And then, act two, when the evening comes, he says to his supervisor, call the workers and pay them. So far, normal. That's what you do. What has happened when I went strawberry picking, I'd have my little card. Every time I brought a crate of strawberries, it would get punched. And at the end of the day, we'd all line up and the boss would be sitting at a table and we'd bring our card and he would pay us a cash according to what we had earned that day. So yeah, people would line up. Except here is the unusual detail that tells you it's a clue to interpreting the parable. The strange thing that he says is, have them line up beginning with the ones who were last hired and then going on to the ones who were hired first. Well, that's all wrong. That's all wrong. Obviously, you'd, you'd reward the very hard workers who'd been there before 6 a.m. You'd give them their pay so they could go home and have dinner and relax. But no, he says it to do it in reverse order. And so then you think, well, maybe I know what he's gonna do. I know what he's gonna do. Maybe the supervisor's thinking this. He is gonna make an example of those losers, those lazy, no good people whom he hired on at the end of the day as a joke. He's gonna make an example of them. When they come up to get their pay, he's gonna, he's gonna yell at them and bawl them out and tell them to get their life together so that they would deserve to be hired and maybe he'd consider them if they came back the next day, if they were there at quarter to six in the morning, thank you very much. But no, that's not what happens. They line up. I imagine them being a little bit like jostling with each other, like who's going to go first, because they're not really sure what's going to happen. And they come up and, and they hold out their hand. And what does he put in his hand? A whole denarius, as much as he promised the first group. This guy looks at it, he looks at the boss, he's thinking maybe he made a mistake, he, he grabs it in his hand, he walks off, but the next one comes up and gets the same, and the next one the same, and the next one the same, and they start gathering over here, like, what did he give you? What did, look, can you, can you believe it? And they look at him and he, he smiles at them and nods, yes, I'm, I'm not making a mistake, that's what you're getting today. And they all run off and start having parties, buying things to celebrate with people around them. And so, when those came who were hired first, scene three, obviously they expected to receive more, but they also got a denarius. 
Why did they expect to receive more? Because the landowner had promised them? Not at all. Remember, they had made a bargain. They had made an agreement with him. And when they went out in the morning, they were the happiest people in the village. But now they are decidedly unhappy. Their expectations have changed because of the others, of course. Because payment depends on worth. Payment depends on worth. And we, I, am worth so much more than those fools that you sent out into your vineyard at the end of the day, those leftovers, those losers. And if they, the worthless people, are worth a denarius, then how much more am I worth? And so it says that when they received it, they began to grumble. It's not fair, they say. Those latecomers, they worked only one hour. We did so much more than they did. And you've made them equal to us? We worked much harder. We endured a lot more. We've accomplished a lot more than they, and we should be worth a whole lot more to you. They aren't equal to us. They are less. We are much more valuable. And so he answers them. It says he answers one of them. And he answers him compassionately. Friend, he says. Friend, I am being fair to you. You bargained, remember? That's what you wanted at the beginning of the day. You got what you wanted. And if you want to rely on a contract of pay, then you'll get, then that's what you'll get. And what I do with these others, what I give them has nothing to do with you. It's my business, remember? It's my money. It's my grace. If I choose to be generous to other people, what is that to you? What right do you have to be jealous of how I spend what belongs to me? If I choose to operate on the principle of grace, and not pure economics, not fairness, then that's my business, not yours. And then Jesus ends with how it started. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. So how do you interpret this parable? Well, you see, how you respond to the parable depends on where you see yourself in the lineup or the lineups. Where do you see yourself? Were you the first in line? And where are you then in the second line? Where are you actually? How do you think God sees you? Which group do you relate to? The diligent, hardworking ones with flinty eyes who strike bargains and rely on their own hard work and ingenuity? to get through life, people who get what they deserve and they work very hard to make sure that they deserve it, thank you very much, people who know that God must bless them, God favors them because they do so much for God. They prove it by their hard work in the kingdom. Look at the product, look at the fruit. Or do you relate to the worthless, undeserving ones who are left over? who are beaten down, who know they are messed up, they don't have a lot to offer, 
who come expecting very little and so are surprised by grace, by the generosity of a boss, of a God who is not simply fair, but generous beyond fairness. Maybe like me, you grew up in a family where you were a good girl if you behaved and you got praise and affection, but if you misbehaved, you were a bad girl and punishment would follow. Well, I was often a bad girl at home, but I learned that at school, you could get all sorts of approval by doing well, by obeying the teacher, by being smart. And I must say, I learned that at church too. There were certain clear ways you could win approval and be thought a model Christian. And I remember clearly the time I was already in my 30s when that changed for me. When I was at a retreat and a speaker said, God can't love you any more than he already does. And God can't love you any less. And I tell you, something rose up inside of me that was like a yell, was like, what? Are you kidding me? Of course God can love me more, hello. If only I do more for God, if I accomplish bigger things, if I have a bigger following, if I make a big name, if I win thousands of people, if I do, if I do, if I do, then God will love me more. And then the speaker repeated it. God can't love you any more than he already does. And God can't love you any less. And suddenly I saw, I saw myself for what I was. That I was one of the diligent, flinty-eyed types who strike bargains with God and who know that they will get what they deserve, thank you very much, one of the ones who think they are worthy, who live by works, by doing and earning God's approval. I needed to repent. I needed to see myself at the end of the line, the end of the day. I know that I am instead in the group of those who know that whatever we do ourselves, it's not enough. It cannot close the gap between ourselves and God. It can't cover over our sin. It can't save us. It can't win more of God's love and approval. That is complete to us in Jesus Christ. For that we need grace, pure and simple, much more than we can work for and so much more than any one of us deserve. The kingdom of heaven is not like the kingdom of earth. The kingdom of heaven relies on economies of grace, not fairness. And guess what? Grace is not fair. Grace is not fair. But that's actually the good news of the gospel is that grace is not fair. We don't get what we deserve. 
We get what the generous God, the generous landowner gives us, despite our undeserving nature. I ask you, which ones are rejoicing at the end of the day? Which people are having parties? Which ones are toasting to the landowner at the end of the day? Whose mouths are filled with laughter? The undeserving ones who know that they are undeserving. They're the ones who live in joy. And if God so loves us by grace, so sees us through grace, should we not likewise have that lens towards each other? Do you live out of that joy? Would you say that your life is characterized by the joy of those who were undeserving and know it and so are surprised every day by how much of God's grace, God's love is showered on them? The good news of the gospel is grace is not fair to any single one of us or any person around the world. Grace is grace. Grace is God. Grace is Jesus. And for that, we give thanks and live in joy. Let me lead you in prayer as the worship team comes up. Dear God, forgive us for taking your grace for granted and for so easily adopting a worldly point of view that we get from you what we deserve because we work so hard for it. Or perhaps we are at the other end where we think we deserve nothing from you. You could not find anything beautiful in us. And yet your grace is equal. It is the same to all those who stand in need of it, who reach out their hand to you, who say, save me. You fill the gap through Jesus, and you empower us by your Holy Spirit to live for you, and respond in grace. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name and all God's people say, amen.